yeah, the only time I would ever eat without a television or earbuds in or something would be if I'm eating with people. That's the only time. I would never sit in silence and eat. It feels psychotic to me. I know it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's no, like, weird. no, it yeah. is. You can't, I can't be alone with my thoughts. I need to... <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a thousand percent correct, Ferg. That is the most accurate thing I ever. Mean... <laughs> Back everyone to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Three's Company. Three's Company went out 172 episodes with 8 seasons on ABC. Today we're talking about episode 1, which is called A Man About the House, originally airing March 15, 1977. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags, with me as always... The boys, most of them, Nick, Joe, and Ferg. No Gordo this week. What's going on, guys? Hey, yo. Yo. He touched my bosoms. I knew it. <laughs> uh, I think that's my favorite character in a very long time. She's so great at this for I like hate two it. seconds. Well, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, yeah, we'll get to it because <laughs> I, I have some things to say about that character. Okay, look, I don't like to tip our hats or anything. I'm going to say this out front. I don't give a shit. This is the most effective pilot episode we've ever watched i'm not saying that's good or bad yet i'm just saying it's the most effective pilot we've ever done all right well, let's just go home boys it's effective green light <laughs> run it yeah no i wanted because this doesn't really affect my green light or cancel anyways because it's a nostalgia thing that i can't use for my green light but like it's such a this was like a really big part of my like nick at night like i really really remember this it's and well, this is your re- pick correct this is my pick, yeah. yeah. And it's the first time I've seen it in a really long time, and it's just such like a, it's such a warm, welcoming hug of a sitcom. Like I, it just felt so good to watch, and uh, I, you know, obviously, I mean, not to tip my hat as we say, but uh, it was, you know, I, it, it just feels really good. I love this show. You're the I, only one not wearing a hat. So well, Nick's hair. That's why I'm not tipping it. <laughs> one thing I did struggle with Cancel. watching this is it I can't I don't know how much of watching this was nostalgia versus like being able to analyze and not even just like nostalgia from remembering the show, but just like liking things from that era. So like this show is such a time capsule in itself just to watch it, you know? So I, I really did like there were times when I'm watching things, I'm like I like this is stupid, but I like it. Like I, I don't know so, what's going on. You I know, mean, John Ritter falls like... on the bike in the beginning, and you're like, "Yeah, okay, we're back. Yeah. I'm fucking oh, here." You, you horny Ritter, you. Oh, he's so he's so horny in this episode. Horny Jack, man, he's uh, he... he's up there with the horniest. I was gonna say he's rivaling horny Frank, who is married to Suzanne Summers in Step by Step. So, and they even mention oh, Frank. A they mention oh a God. Frank. That Suzanne Summers has an interest in. I didn't. Put, I didn't put two and two together. The oh, I didn't either. That's great. Yeah, I love the idea right. that she's dating a pre-Dallas uh, Tony Frank in this one. <laughs> and I do want to mention real quick. S twenty one pod is where you can find all the links to our social medias: Instagram, X, formerly Twitter. S twenty one pod on those. But again, rate, review, subscribe. I mean, if you're listening to us now, you know how to hear us. But all our socials are linked to that too. Shoot us an email, do whatever, but we like interacting with you guys. And I will say, probably a couple weeks removed by the time it happened, but 
you know, recently we've been getting messages from a few of you because like all those like Spotify raps have been coming out. And to see like we're on some of your lists and it's like so crazy to me. And like, I'm super thankful. I want to say thank you to any of you guys who reached out or anyone who didn't that we still ended up on them. It's just blown away. So wild. It's just blown away. Just, you know, I'm just, you know, we're talking, we're all just really old friends talking about TV shows and the fact that so many of you enjoy that and listen is just awesome. So, you know, again, thank you guys for that. Yeah. Big thanks. Uh, just thanks a couple for numbers. me too. No, Ferg didn't want to say thank you. He's just That's why Gordo's not on the episode right now. He was so <laughs> disgusted by our fans and he was like, fuck them. I'm staying off this one. So a couple quick numbers. IMDB has this show ranked uh, 7.5 is the out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes had no critic score for the show as an overall, but 94% audience. Super high. Right where it should be. That's one of the highest I think we've seen. We've been around almost long enough to qualify to be one of their critics. I kind of want to go on and do like critical reviews on all these old shows that don't have critical reviews. Yeah. You know what happens? Yeah. In, this is what the audience scores. Like, 94 huge. And I've said this before. Any show that's not like contemporary from like when Rotten Tomatoes started is people going back and like rating shows that they like. So that's what messes it up. So I think you're always going to see elevated scores from audiences on older shows. It'll be very interesting to see if things now in the streaming era, if there are things that like, because they're going to exist in a sort of evergreen place, right? Like if you could go back and you could watch a pretty smart 20 years from now, I'm sure you can to whatever Netflix turns into. Is somebody who has sort of like rose tinted glasses for this era going to think that's like a really fun, interesting show? No. Will that change it? I mean, I hope not. That show is like the fucking biggest dog shit we've ever covered. But it's an interesting. We'll have to check if we're alive in 25 years. Knock on something. What show? I missed what you were talking about. Pretty Pretty smart. smart. Uh, The one where that ugly smart girl and that really pretty girl all hung out. So, I mean, here's the thing that I was thinking of when we when I was watching this It's like. I know that like our the idea of us as a podcast is to you know get critical and sometimes the the good doesn't pass and and sometimes the bad does get passed but I think more times than not you're seeing that there's a reason that some of these shows are successful right you like I said I'm not going to tip the cap but like I don't see this getting fully canceled on our podcast right like I don't know how you guys are voting but and there's plenty of those episodes that we've done. Like, obviously they're going to, like, there's a reason that they were successful. Yeah. But it it is interesting to look back because I think when, when what we do and you look at a lot of those shows, some shows, I think to their credits, like know who they are right off the bat and they kind of have their rhythm, but there are shows that find their way. Like they're okay, but they, yeah. Early on was nowhere near what it became. And we have canceled some big shows. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying more times than not, that's probably not going to be the case. It is crazy with shows like this, though. They last so long. They go through such interesting periods. Like, I'm sure we'll get into it, but anybody who's watched this show, I know Nick, you watched a lot, too. I think we've all watched this a lot as kids. Like, there's a lot of cast changes as you start getting towards the later seasons. People leave. Um, In the first season, he's not in this episode, but like uh, Larry, who's John Ritter's best friend, is like a pretty big presence in the show. There's a lot of moving parts that they kind of take in and out. And I think that's always impressive for a show that goes so long because you I mean, the office is a great example of it too, right? Like nine years, we just keep people start leaving. They keep adding people in yeah. and you can, yep. you can keep going. And I don't know when I, mean, I kind of don't want to get too into it early, but at some point, like we, like Suzanne Summers didn't stay on the show. Like she was gone after like the fifth season. That's right. 
Wait, so, she didn't leave and then come back, right? She just left. She just they left. didn't talk she, she was for replaced. years. I don't know if she ever even mended with John Ritter. I know she. Oh like, really? I, think, I didn't know. Didn't it was they contentious. make up right before he died? I remember seeing an interview. She might have been I saying so. she wished she I, did. I don't I recall. Think so, so. I know the two girls did something not that long ago on YouTube where like they kind of reunited. So it was a it was a big falling apart. You know how you know that never that, that whole crew didn't get together because there's the scene in Stay Tuned, the greatest thing John Ritter has ever done, yeah, where he's flying through the TV <laughs> and he lands up on the set of. Three's company and the two girls walk ah! in and go, Where have you been? And he screams at the camera. But that's obviously not Joyce DeWitt and Suzanne Summers. So I think that shows that like at they least did, by that um, point. They did bury the hatchet before he died. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. There's but, a whole uh, interview. I'll send it to you. It's popped up on like reels. Well, that makes me happy. Yeah. Now now that I've like watched this, now like you know how like you kind of like now the wormhole is like it's starting to dig, so like you yeah. want to start looking up all that stuff. Wanted to mention Real quick, I don't know if you saw this. So the title of the episode is A Man About the House, which was a nod to the British show A Man About the House that this was based on. Which Gordo will pick three picks from now now, almost guaranteed. I had no idea this was based on something. Yeah, I Neither didn't know I. until doing my initial like homework for the episode. I was like, really? And yeah, so it was like a it was a British sitcom that they based this off of. But, but uh from unless I'm looking at the wrong thing, is it from nineteen forty seven? I believe that's probably the wrong thing. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, just a couple of years after the Blitz, I don't think they were shooting out sitcoms. <laughs> this would be uh, A Man About the House, 1973, and it lasted six seasons. Wow. Yeah, I would definitely like to see. I had no like idea that this had, like, a, a different ethos than just being created There's in, like, also, Hollywood. Also a direct spinoff of this, too, Three's a Crowd. And which, by the way, I, I'm glad you said that, episode one of a man about the house is called three's a crowd. And the most genius move ever, which the show should have been called is in syndication. They called that show three's company T O O three's company too. They didn't change the song. Uh, that show too. That's a bummer. where like only a few people carried over, but it was literally the next season. It's almost like golden palace and golden girls. They, were like, they, yeah. Some people want to keep doing they played it. The so. finale is like the lead in to three, uh, three's yeah. a crowd. Which I'm sure they probably played in syndication when we were kids, just as the same package as like ex as other episodes of Three's Company. But I can't remember if I've seen it before. It's funny you say that because I did read that a couple episodes of The Ropers made it into the syndication package. I think there's a backdoor pilot for the Ropers, the Ropers as well that I definitely remember seeing. So there, so the it was the first episode of The Ropers, and then there's an episode like a couple seasons in where like all the people from Three's Company make a cameo. And that episode too, like those two episodes are lumped into the Three's Company syndication package. You know, it's interesting episode, in the opening then. in the opening credits to this, they go and introducing the Ropers, and then like I find that the individual yeah, names. I wanted to get into that. Yeah. Well, we might as well just get right into the intro, anyways, because the show starts with the intro. Yeah. And yeah, that was um that was interesting since you already brought that up. It was almost like there was always this intention to <laughs> have like two shows like going on at once yeah. with them, like. I mean, I think like they the knew Ropers... what they had with Norman Fell, right? Like, he was an actor who'd been in comedies forever. And a lot of serious roles, too. Like, he's great in Bullet. But, like, if you think of Norman Fell from back then, you think of him from, like, it's a mad, 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 mad world and things like that. So, like, I think they knew, like, we've got such a funny guy here. And he didn't want to do the spinoff for a while. He wanted to stay on Three's Company. It took, like, a lot of convincing from the studio, to, which is, like, you think is wild. Like, we want to give you your own show. He's like, no. Like, I, this, this show's a hit. I want to stay here. And Don Knotts was like, please, please do the other show. I need a job. 
I can't do another Mr. Chicken movie. I don't know. Yeah, it was. It's funny, but the yeah, that whole thing with the Ropers. Here's I don't. So as I was reading about it, so he was iffy on doing the show. Right, he wanted to stay with Three's Company. Obviously, the show is a mega hit, so he wanted to stay on the show. They gave him uh, a promise that was like in the contracts: if the show didn't last past the first season, they would be invited back on a Three's Company. Like it was like a clause in the contract. Show lasted a season and a half. Ugh. They canceled it mid-season, second season. And then he tried, like, he went to the studio, like, trying to see, like, hey, can I please come back to the show? And they wouldn't let him. Like, well, technically, you went over a season. Poor Norman Fell, that's so sad. And you I wonder, like, if like, that's deliberate, you know deal, what I mean? Like... like, was that deliberate? Did they renew it just to get out of having to put them back on the show? Like, Maybe, okay, they just well, really wanted that Don Knotts money. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Don Knotts also, though, a huge star. Like, they replaced him with somebody who was arguably a much bigger star than him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but the show had a rhythm already, you know what I mean? Like, a few seasons in, like, and we see that with other shows. And we, we've mentioned that, you know, you mentioned with The Office and other times. They'll do that where, like, someone leaves and they try to compensate by putting, like, a bigger name to replace them. But sometimes if the show has a flow to it, it doesn't necessarily matter if the if the new person coming in is more famous. I was, I was just saying, I remember Don Knotts on the show more than him, like. If I think back from the show, that's who I remember. I think in syndication, it, I don't think it was ever full, like a full series in syndication. So you probably got the later seasons in syndication more than the early ones. I remember both of them. Yeah, what I, remember I don't both. remember Damn. is like the three seasons where Suzanne Summers is gone. Like, I don't remember like a no Chrissy. I remember those. Yeah. Show. They played those ones a lot at Naked Night. And yeah. they're good. They're still good. I mean, that was... The funny thing about that, too, is if you think back about it, right, like we're watching Nick at Night and we're watching Free's Company and we're watching episodes without Suzanne Summers, and then they cut to commercial or you're watching infomercials right after because it's like two in the morning and it's Suzanne Summers with the thigh master going, I could do this all day, just squeezing her legs together. So like you honestly got her equally as much even when you were not watching her episodes. And we got it with Horny Frank. I was going to say, you might have seen a, a step-by-step advertisement in there, too. That's true. She was pretty. She present. was off TV for a while after all the stuff that happened with her in the exit of this show. It uh, it kept her off of television for a while. She said she basically got blackballed. And again, I don't want to get into it too early because we haven't even gone through this intro yet. So, well, you know what's crazy uh, is just how young she is in this episode. Like she, I always have in my head of her looking like her step by step character, even because we grew up in that, that era. Yeah, yeah. And she's like noticeably like a kid almost. Like if you want your mind blown, one of her first roles ever is she's in Dirty Harry 2, Magnum Force, which is, I think, the superior of all of the five Dirty Harry movies. But she's in a scene, like, the first scene is just a bunch of, like, drug-doing hippies naked in a pool getting shot by machine guns that you just see, like, topless Suzanne Summers go like, oh, no! And they get, like, squibbed <laughs> upper boobs. It's so funny to watch when you know it's her. Note to self, watch Dirty Harry 2. Ferg is going to jerk off to Magnum Force tonight. We've all been there. With a magnum force. So back to the intro. And Speaking of Suzanne Summers, you mentioned John Ritter falling off the bike, uh, Jack. And that's like one of the first things you see in the intro. The brunette that walks by him that distracts him is Suzanne Summers with a wig on. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. That's pretty awesome. But yeah, the intro, uh, classic. It's one of the classic theme songs. Come on, knock on my door. We've been waiting for you. But um, but yeah. Where the kisses are hers and hers and his. Three's Three's company, company too. It's like, again, super iconic song. 
they changed the the visual of the intro over the years, obviously as the as the seasons rolled on, but you get a vibe for what's going on. It's like three young, attractive people living together. How fun! And okay, these I'm, two old people who live nearby. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because I would like to throw my hat in the ring here to be like, I feel like they really do a disservice to Joyce DeWitt in this episode. This is like the pretty smart thing too, where like she's like, hey. I'm also here. I'm wearing nothing but a t-shirt. Aren't I sexy? And anybody normally would be like, yes, you are very sexy. And he's like, yeah, yeah, fuck you anyway. Blonde girl. Which I had I the think biggest I mean, crush The, the show starts with her talking about doing a strip tease. She's not exactly not used as a sex symbol. So, right, but she comes in wearing just a long t-shirt being like, there's I also like a type night. back then, and Suzanne Summers is more of the type. Oh, yeah, I want to say 70s and then like 90s. I feel like 80s had a brunette run again. But, um, Yes, that that's the classic look. The the you know the busty blonde girl. I'll say this for me: it's long hair versus short hair. The long hair does it for me. The short hair, never my thing. I'm not usually a short haired guy, but for Hair's some reason she short. can do it. <laughs> yes. I like the idea of Nick with Fabio hair now being like, "Fuck you!" What about now? I don't want to. I'm not closing any doors here, ladies listening, but I typically lean towards darker <laughs> hair in general. Um, so usually the you know the brunettes are the ones that catch my eye. If Jenna had glasses on, this episode would have been over for Jay. <laughs> it would have been over for her. So after the intro, and it's a pretty long song. I can't remember if they used this full song all the time, but it was it was pretty lengthy. I think in syndication, it's cut to just the opening and intro. I mean, I'm sorry, opening an outro. Yeah, there's an episode there's an episode of Full House. I think they get a donkey. It's you know, crazy Full House world. And Uncle Jesse has to keep singing the song, but he can't remember the last part of the song. Oh, I do remember that, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, from the intro, we get to the first scene. And it starts off with Chrissy, who's Suzanne Summers' character. And she's vacuuming. And Janet walks in hungover. And you can see that there was a party there the night before. You can see that, you know, still messy. The house is trashed. She's clearly hung over, so, like, they had a big night. They're talking on the couch, and they're just kind of going over everything. Like, you mentioned she did a strip tease the night before, and she feels bad because Eleanor, who's the third roommate, it was, like, her wedding reception party, which is okay. Yeah, she and got married she got and then up. went and had a party at her apartment. It was a little bit of a shotgun wedding, too, because she's also super pregnant. So pregnant yeah. that she had to leave her wedding party. To have her babies. He had a baby boy. When they're sitting on the couch, Janet, like, dumps out the ashtray to, like, look at her tongue? What was that for? I think, I mean, she wanted a mirrored surface, right? Because she wanted, I think when your tongue is a different color, dehydration, maybe? Wasn't she talking about the punch, though? The the green? Did she get there there's nothing weird about her tongue. So she just sticks her tongue and she's like, look at that. It's like, what am I looking at? Her tongue (laughs) should have been the color of the punch. They should have did something visual so you understood what was happening, yeah. And then after that, Chrissy gets up and she goes to head over to the bathroom and she wants to draw a bath. So she goes inside, she turns the bath uh, on, the shower part of it, opens the curtain, revealing a guy laying in the tub, that's John Ritter's character, Jack, and he's dead asleep in the tub, doesn't feel the water on him. She doesn't notice it first because she's distracted getting ready for the bath. Walks out back to the living room again, and then it, like, clicks, like, that she just saw a person. What I wanted to mention, too, though, is she's talking about the punch for a second there and all the ingredients in it. 
She mentions that the punch they made last night had gin, tequila, whiskey, rum, vodka, and she's going to say another liquor to which I was like, like brandy? Like what else? Wine? Like what else is even left at that point? Well, maybe, or maybe there juice. is a lot of wine <laughs> bottles everywhere. Yeah. There's a lot of wine bottles. Later, we do see some disgusting wine ma- recuperation later. Sounds like she was making jungle juice though. She made a giant vat of Long Island iced tea for everybody. I mean, basically. Long Island iced tea, though, it weirdly works in the perfect way if you do it right. But when you have one, like those, the club Long Island iced tea in a can, that was one of, that was like drinking poison. I don't think I've ever had a Long Island iced tea, if I'm being honest. Really? I when, am not positive. No, I have, actually. That surprises me knowing just how you like to try things. Yeah, I don't know. I Everything. Just, just never... I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy when you see somebody make them because you see them put a billion things of alcohol in. You're like, what the fuck? And they take the tiniest bit of Coke and go like, boop, and then hand it to you. And you're like, uh, are you sure about this? Well, it's one of those drinks you're never going to want to make yourself because it's a pain in the ass. And then if you're at a bar, when you're younger, when I'm like more apt to try things like, I don't know, it's like that seemed like too expensive of an experiment <laughs> at a younger age. It's not a cheap drink at all. It's that or like a hurricane or something. At this point, Chrissy recognizes that there's a guy in the tub and she starts talking to Janet about it. She thinks maybe it's a burglar. <laughs> and <laughs> and they're like, well, we can't just leave him in there. And it's like, because the girl, there's a girl. Come, so I guess Eleanor is now that she just got married and had a baby is moving out. And someone's going to be looking at the apartment later. So, like, we can't just leave him in there. Like, well, we can just make it so she doesn't go into the bathroom. And I'm thinking, wait, what's going Like, hold on. Like, first off, find out who he is. Second, yeah. even if you talk to him and everything's cool, like, they probably realize he was at the party. If the person comes to check out the apartment, you can just be like, oh, this is our friend Jack. <laughs> you don't have to, like, hide him. <laughs> yeah. I know it's very sitcom but, like, the, the this happens a lot in this whole episode. The problems they create for themselves that are like unrealistic problems. I love it because I think that they they do such a great setup expectation and deliver on every single one of them. You come into this and they're like, there's a guy here and someone's coming to look at the apartment. You They just start like knocking the dominoes over so early and I think everything about that worked. It just to me feels like, a, like an unrealistic problem. How are we going to explain to the stranger that there's someone in the house that doesn't live here? I, it was more of a, she can't walk into the bathroom and see a dead guy in the tub. That's yeah, different. I think that was, like, it was, when he was still unconscious, it was a problem. I find it scarier when he's awake, honestly, if I'm, like, the two girls. I'm like, uh, I don't know if I want this guy in here. No so question. Has anybody ever woken up totally from a blackout like that in a place where they didn't know who anybody was? I thought you were going to say in the tub, because I was going to say yes many I times. Say, I but... know for a fact Ferg has woken up in a tub multiple times. <laughs> but those were those were friend tubs. His tub. He goes home, and instead of going into his bed, when he's drunk, will go into his tub and sleep. I haven't done that in years. Yeah, but <laughs> you did it a lot. Multiple times. <laughs> I always know I've been there for a long time because the water will be cold. <laughs> you know, all this time, I never realized you did it with a full tub. I just thought you would, like, crawl into the tub. Same. I didn't think you turned the water on. I'm surprised you're alive. No, no, no. no. The water was running. No, it's it's not a full tub. I get... I'm drunk and I default to I don't feel good and when I take a shower it makes me feel better. But I sit down in that because I'm drunk and then I fall asleep. <laughs> so the water's hot and then I wake up hours later to cold water dumping on me and I'm just like, fuck. Oh my god. 
I, I can't believe you're still around. alive, honestly. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, all of us. us. We all should have died yeah, a thousand yeah. times. No, but um, I, I only say this because I know he wouldn't care me telling it, but my roommate, who you guys know, uh, on the 4th of July years ago, was staying at a friend's house and couldn't get in the front door that night and so fell asleep on their like enclosed front porch and woke up to their neighbor poking him with a broom because he was at the wrong house. And they were like, you're at the wrong house. Just go next door. I think that's where you're supposed to be. He's to like, be fair, oh, that's shit. best case scenario. I had a friend who fell asleep at an ATM, like in a booth. <laughs> <laughs> They're warm in the winter. I've I've yeah. slept with a, with a group. I've crashed an ATM booth before. Uh, in New York, what that probably I'm... smelled great, considering the people you were probably with. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's your middle of the winter, right? You don't have a ton of money, right? You're up there. I was up there playing a show. I'm like 18 or whatever, right? And the trains run all night, but the buses don't go. And you, the trains are so confusing in New York, especially when you're like 18 and drunk. So we're just like, okay, well, you got kicked out of this diner after a while, so we're just gonna go stay at the ATM booth. Is at least heated, so we stayed in there for like two hours until it got sketchier than we needed it to be, and we left. As you retell the story, you realize it was still a terrible idea, right? Of course, yeah. I mean, look. Yeah, all right. <laughs> and all <laughs> of the, the stories. The only logical it, thing. Again, 18 and drunk, though. Like, I can't, you know. Why don't you stay in a car? No one had a car. We took the bus up. Uh, what about the bus station? Uh, the bus that we took did not go to the station. The bus we took uh, dropped you off outside of the McDonald's in Chinatown. So. Uh, R.I.P. Fungwa. Yeah. The two girls walk back into the bathroom together. Jack's still sleeping, but now the tub has started to fill up. And he slips under the water. And because of that, he finally wakes up because his body in self-defense mode preventing him from drowning. And I will say, right from the bat, John Ritter's physical comedy is just next level. He's so good at it. He's so natural at it. Like, there's no... I don't know how to explain it either. Yeah, it's just... He's just very fluid with his movements. It doesn't look overacted. Uh, It's not embellished. Like, it's just... It seems like maybe what would be really happening... He's because like Buster Keaton like... level of doing that. He even throws off little lines that I can't, I, I would not think are in the script. At one point he goes, gee, that water's wet. And he just also, says it I... very quick and very low. And it's just a funny line. It's just rattled off and no one responds to it. Like, I think he's just going for it. I'm also pretty sure that when he gets out of the tub and slips that that was real. <laughs> I couldn't yes. tell. I was like, either he's like elite level with his acting and physical comedy or he really slipped. <laughs> because, yeah, when his sock went to the ground, it, like, his foot slid out. And I was like, jeez. Yeah, like he could have really fucking hurt himself. I don't know how he himself. caught himself. <laughs> and when that's all happening is when he's introducing himself to the girls. He says his name's Jack Tripper. And he was at the party last night. And that he was one of the guests. He said he he came with a friend who knew one of the gate crashers. So does that mean they just, just crashed, they the, crashed party? the party? Yeah, they crashed the party. Which I've crashed a number of parties. And oh, we that's pretty much your party before. crashing. Not we only do you crash parties, but then you're a total dickhead to the people whose houses you broke into. You're a menace. <laughs> Look, if you didn't want butter on your floor in front of your fridge or powdered sugar in your bed or a random dog from the street left into your apartment, you probably shouldn't have had a party. I guess that's, that's one a way new to look one. at it. These are all frat so, houses, like frat boy kids. Fuck them. Who cares? Uh, the thoughts and opinions of Joe do not reflect <laughs> that of the rest of us on the show. Weirdly, I don't think we have a big frat boy listening uh, group, but we'll see. I'm not you here don't to... know. Frat boys become frat men. and Men like podcasts. Old men. So to all of you frat men out there listening, pay no mind to Joe. 
There's definitely one guy who was like, wait a minute, I remember being at a party once where I slipped on butter in the fridge and a dog bit me, and he's going to come and punch me right in the face, and I completely deserve it. Joe's That's just the guy that ruined our like toilet with Easy Mac. He's like fucking Kevin McAllister in the house, just fucking setting up booby traps the whole time. The exploding tote bag. You get your ass kicked more. Uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty surprising, actually, uh, to be honest with you, because usually the target, if you're the least likely, if you look less like you should get punched in the face than one other person you're with, that other person is the one who's going to get punched. And without naming names of one of our friends who was usually in those scenarios, he was usually the one who got punched in the face. Was it Gordo? <laughs> it was not Gordo. <laughs> so when they're talking... They're asking what he's doing in the tub. And he's like, I don't know. He's like, all I remember is I had that terrible punch and everything went black. It must have been some serious punch. Well, I mean, every boozy. It, it, was, it was very boozy <laughs> and apparently tasted like shit. But yeah, you go to a party, you know, when you're younger, especially there. I don't know what age exactly they're supposed to be. I'm assuming like mid late 20s is the expectation. Well, Jack's yeah. in college, though. So I think you're supposed to assume he's maybe like early 20s. Yeah. At that point in your life, you drink whatever's free. Oh, yeah. So it offers you free booze. You just take it. There's a nice little joke there, too, where he asks. He's like, isn't there a third person that lives here? And like, oh, yeah. Like, she just had a boy. And he's like, yeah, she must have because obviously she was pregnant. When he saw <laughs> that one actually took me a second. I was like, oh. <laughs> me as well. Yeah. I was like, what's that joke? Oh. <laughs> so, and he was ready to leave. He's like, oh, I, I, I got to head out. And like, oh, well, you can't leave like that. And it's like, oh, take your clothes off. And then that, ooh, somewhat sexual. So you get like a crowd laugh. And Why can't he leave wet? They live in what, California? I guess they're just being hospitable. And they're like, oh, let, you know, let's at least send you off with dry clothes. But I would have left wet. I would have just been like, I'm sorry. You'll never see me again. I'm going to deal with this. I mean, I've like left parties How like that awkward. in the morning covered in puke and stuff. <laughs> you just you just leave. So my that my, my thing is like you were so drunk you fell asleep in a bathtub and didn't notice the water to get turned on. There's no way your head is in a clear space five minutes later and you're cooking breakfast for people you don't know. Like that was the most unbelievable part. Some I've people seen you cook well, breakfast pretty hungover. No, mm. to me, here's why I think they're younger because of that. Yeah. Because try doing that now True. versus yeah. doing that when you're 22. When you're 22, you can bounce right back. When you're 37 it's not the same thing uh john ritter was 28 when this was filmed like he was really 28 actually 28 and i'm i'm yeah almost positive meant to be younger than that yeah 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 maybe he does act very youthful <laughs> so whimsical he's sprout <laughs> uh so, joyce dewitt was only a year younger i don't remember how old in summers 24 that's my guess not a fact she, oh wow she's the oldest damn it that's crazy. So she was um she was thirty, he was twenty eight, and Joyce DeWitt was twenty seven. I will say though, they don't say that they're students though. They're just friends who are roommates, so they could be older than Jack's character. That yeah, true. Yeah, they're not classmates. <laughs> so from there we cut to the Roper's apartment for the first time. It's just them complaining like that party kept them up all night, but then Mr. Roper was just kind of, like, upset that he wasn't invited. It was, like, a weird, lame, like, I wouldn't mind if they invited me. Also, and Mrs. Roper is proto-Mona. Yep. Like, Mona is just... Like, I, didn't, I didn't place it together until we watched it this time that Mona is basically just playing Mrs. Roper. She's just a single Mrs. Roper. Yeah. Wow. Good call. 
Mrs. Roper, who's wearing a wig, she does not have curly red hair. She has straight blonde hair in real life, so she wore a wig uh, for the show. It's crazy. So you see here in other stuff, you, it takes you so long to figure out who it is. And then, as those two are talking, there's so many. Here's my thing. I think in it, I, I'd say at some point we'll have to cover the Ropers because I haven't yes. seen it to like know one way or another. I think they have great chemistry, right? And they're both doing a great job. And I don't know how the writing was for the spinoff, but on this show, they lean into every old couple trope. Oh, they're like Fred and Echo. Yeah. That's all it is. It's like, you could like, it's so, they're good acting. They're good acting. They're good actors, <laughs> but it's. <laughs> they're good at acting. But the script is very, very generic for those two. Like at all times, it's just the, well, you don't have sex with me. It's like, oh, these kids are noisy. It's like, it's all that stuff all the time. And it's a lot of that, like, they, they go back to the you don't fuck me thing so much. Oh, I mean, that that's their whole thing forever. Like, yeah. until they leave. Like, that's that, that's what it is. I do love, though, that the, at the beginning of this, if you've seen the show, you understand it more. But Norm, Mr. Roper never looks at the camera and breaks the third wall. He always looks right near the camera to break the third wall. Like, when he gets a zinger off, he goes... <laughs> yeah, he looks at like so he's the like, cameraman. Yeah, he's looking at the cameraman. He never like looks straight into this into the camera, but I'd always find that so funny. So they're talking and it's you know, we can't let them get away with this stuff. You think we should say something to them about the noise? And they get into that little joke about, well, yeah, I think, you know, the head of the house should be the one to address it. So he's like, Alright, I'll head over right now. And she's like, I'll go as soon as my nails are dry. They have so many back and forth jokes here. My favorite one ever is he says, it's a shame you don't live in India. You'd be worshipped there, which that, is like yeah. the funniest way to call his wife a cow of all time. Yeah. It's like the funniest fucking joke. You know, the big one. The last time the bed moved. <laughs> yeah. The earthquake is. <laughs> I mean, it's so it's like, Jay, to your point, it's so stereotypical, but they're all so funny. Yeah. Even they before she hit. goes. If you go yeah. away, I'd throw a party. Like, Was it that stereotypical stuff. at the time, though? You know, right? This yes. is also forty-five years ago. Yes, it, the, it, I guess it wasn't as done by at that it's point because it's, it's much earlier. But it, yeah, they weren't the first. This was like a this was wow. a very, very this was forty-seven years ago. That's fucking crazy. Like Joe, I didn't really think about how long ago this was until Joe put a number on it. That's crazy. It is when you think of how old you are, and you yeah, that's that what always kills exists. me. Is <laughs> yeah. when yeah. this episode came out, you know, and then like we think about how old you were when you watched it the first time, in relation to it, that this show had a long run that existed before any of us were alive. I always think of the weird movie. I always think of oddly is Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which I think is nineteen eighty seven, and like I remember watching that a lot as a kid on TV and being like, "This was ten years ago. That seems like forever ago." And like now you're like, "That was forty years ago. Holy yeah. shit." We cut back into the main apartment. Chrissy's outside of the bathroom and Jack's like handing all his wet clothes to her so she can like dry them all off. Janet runs in and hands him like Eleanor's like maternity robe or whatever it was. It was just like something that could fit him. It's the only thing she left behind, which is still weird because like in theory, maybe maybe she moved out ahead of time, but they just had the party there because it sounds like she moved all her shit out. <laughs> but she gave she got married and like went into labor. And somehow moved she left in her, her closet out. by accident, maybe. Yeah, so maybe she moved all her shit out before she got married, but then they had the party there just like as a farewell and congratulations I wonder, thing. I wonder if she ever makes an appearance on any episode. She like does a cameo. She does. There's right, one cool. appearance from her with a baby. And I 
I that I don't know. I did I did see that she made an appearance. <laughs> that baby was played by Walter Matthau. <laughs> so now we get, you know, the whole reveal of him walking out in the robe, and you get like Janet with the fakest laugh, like the, <laughs> like that, like that goofy like. <laughs> What kills me about that is that Janet does the <laughs> fakest laugh here, laugh here, but she does what I'm convinced is an actual very real laugh later in this the episode. Poke, the poke is I have the that poke yes. laugh. There's yeah. no way that's not her really laugh. Hundred percent. I, 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 I thought the same yep. thing. I wrote that down. There's a few of those when they crack throughout the episode. I mean, there's so it's one of those things you think about. It's so many funny people in a room that it's just yeah. gotta be so hard. I mean, and the Patricia character who comes in, yeah. the voice she's doing, it's so funny. Like, how do you not yeah. break at that? A young mod. <laughs> Don't get me started, young mod. <laughs> so they go to put his clothes in the oven because they don't have a dryer. And then after that, Chrissy and Jack head into the bathroom and because he's like, he's asking if she has a razor. Like, what? I don't know why he needs to shave while he's there. Because <laughs> like, he's not going to work. That drove me insane, right? <laughs> that was really weird. Yeah. There's a like, lot of, again, there's a lot of setups for, for the gags here that don't necessarily make sense. But, like, it's not it's not meant to, like, super overthink. But in no, this situation, like, it's like, oh, I'm going to stay here until my clothes dry. Well, I might as well have a quick shave. <laughs> like, yeah. We always say this, that shows aren't meant for us to be analytical about them. And that doesn't ever need to happen. But when you do put the micro, um, you know, the microscope over it it does not work all the time i like that so i don't know female shaving tools that well that razor that she gives them it's like it it's round it's like a crescent shape i don't think they make those anymore I don't think it's okay a thing. was that I, I didn't know if that was like of the time or just like you know for something like specific that i'm just unaware of i think that's a very specific leg razor well she said she has a very light beard well and then he asks if there's any shaving cream. It's like, no. He's like, oh, this is going to be painful. It's like, wait, we have this. And then she sprays what? I know the gag is that it's something else, but it is 100% shaving cream. Yep. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, that's so Barbasol. Yeah. He lathers his face up, and then he, he finds out that it's just, like, something that they used to clean the sink. And again, we get nice, like, physical comedy of him, like, immediately splashing the water on his face to get these chemicals off of him. Again, though, you just leave, man. You don't... <laughs> Put your clothes in the oven. You don't ask this girl you don't know to borrow her razor. Like, this is so weirdly overstaying. Yeah, it is. And and also, is, that him low key, is that him low-key just being a hornball? Or is he genuinely need to do these things? Because if he's a hornball, this, this at least makes sense, right? But if he's really just sticking around, it's sense. weird. He's trying to look good to hit on them. That's a good point. Or just Nick. to stick around longer, you know? He's trying yeah. to find time to stay with these two pretty girls. I mean, that makes sense, yeah. And now we cut back to the kitchen, and we have Janet, who's scraping, like, incredibly burnt toast. Chrissy's asking her, like, wow, you really fucked up that toast. She's like, it's not my fault. Eleanor didn't leave the recipe. And it's like, uh. that's That's a joke that does not land in this one. Yeah. I feel like one thing, yeah. one thing about this episode that things change down the road and not even right away. Cause like Chrissy's character after a couple seasons becomes more ditzy. She's not quite at that level that we kind of know her more as in this early episode, but they're both kind of the dumb one in this episode. Yeah. And it's like, there's not enough of a dynamic change between the two. Not that one has to be smarter than the other. They, they're both like 
helpless, you know? And it's it's like you wonder how they even function, but I guess they needed Eleanor there. It's the part we didn't see. Maybe that's why they need Jack to show up. I was going to say, it would have come in handy to meet the other character to see, like, she babied them and took care of them. But Yeah, I would like a scene of Eleanor maybe the day before the party. Yeah. Also, how do you fuck up toast? It just pops out of the the uh toaster you know if coming from ferg that that means a lot like if ferg's like how do you fuck this up (laughs) it's probably actually pretty easy to make it's weird that ferg prepares bread and hot dogs the exact same way (laughs) (laughs) he's just a toaster man I love a good toaster, apparently. I, I like I like thinking in a world that if you go to Ferg's house, he just has a line of toasters that all do different things. One inexplicably makes spaghetti. Makes <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? Here's my soup toaster. Not to get into a wild tangent, but like weird videos. Like now that like TikTok just allows people to believe everything is true that isn't. And now you have all these accounts on like social media of people trying to debunk hacks you know what i mean and show you like look this doesn't actually work or oh this actually yeah. does work i saw one where someone cooked the steak in a toaster it worked yeah. you're gonna fuck up your toaster but it worked and it was like cooked through <laughs> i wouldn't recommend it but i was amazed that you that it worked you know what the craziest thing i was i was looking into getting a sous vide and uh if if you don't know what it is it's just like the slow boil like you have to vacuum seal the meat and you put it in a yeah you pot. leave it in there for a long time under a specific yeah. temperature yeah. and the sous vide just kind of hangs on the side and spins and warms the water um but apparently you can get the same sous vide effect from putting a wrapped meat in your dishwasher <laughs> and some dude did it he was like i would not know this wasn't done in or i would not know this was done in a dishwasher like it's fine <laughs> so i guess if you're ever in a pinch and you only have a running dishwasher you can sous vide some steak i mean we talked about it before there's that chief's gates show where somebody made a lasagna in their dishwasher Ugh. and the sous vide thing it, i remember sealed. that episode <laughs> yeah so you seal the sous vide thing right it's so like nothing yeah. get in there the dishwasher the guy was like i'm doing my dirty dishes and cooking my lasagna Aww. because it's going to be the same thing and it's hot and i'm just putting tinfoil over it he and serves that to a party technically it's that's not that crazy it's not like it's not like the food particles just fly around in space but it's and if it's everything about that happens. really bummed me out you know who wouldn't do that gordo because he doesn't actually eat lasagna as much as he says he does <laughs> no, he does not <laughs> i love when lasagna talk comes up organically when gordo's not here and we still get to shit on him for not actually eating lasagna <laughs> and he's not even editing this one so he's never actually gonna he, he hear may, it yeah he may never know. <laughs> he'll, he'll never, never listen it. he'll never know he'll never watch three's company it doesn't <laughs> yeah. even matter so now jack walks in and he's asking what they're having for breakfast well he's saying what's cooking they're like oh we're, we're making breakfast come have some and it's like oh do you mind if i eat in my boots and he holds his boots up, and uh, it's just like, I'd rather you ate off the table. <laughs> Hilarious, yes, it was but funny. again, for, for that them being dumb, th- this time it worked. Yeah. Why and, would they care if yeah. you put your fucking shoes on, though? It, like, the, the lengths they go to write some of these jokes are so silly. I was wondering if that was a term I was unaware of. Like, does eating my boots mean, like, eat and run? You know what I mean? Like, you, you mind if I eat and then, like, where is he right running? Here. He doesn't have no, fucking clothes. No, because he's holding his boot. He's so trying to give literally... the benefit of the doubt. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know that old-timey expression, eating your boots? <laughs> and then, out of a curiosity move, how did Janet fuck up scrambled eggs this bad? She warns yeah. him ahead of time that the eggs aren't that good. He's like, oh, I'm sure they're delicious. And again, his acting, like, grade A. He takes a bite and just hits, like, 
tasting it and being disgusted, but like in a realistic way that was a little yeah. subtle and then goes, this is horrible. <laughs> he is so close to Tim Allen and Christmas at the Cranks eating after he has the Botox in this scene. It made me so happy because he's doing yeah, the lip I, thing like the, yeah, yeah get us both. So I want to, so I just, I, I looked this up. John Ritter started acting in 1968. Okay. And this came out in 1976, right? The first season, 76. Um, how many acting credits do you think? How many acting credits do you think John Ritter has between 1968 and this show? 16. Berg. Okay. Uh, a specific number? I don't know. Just guess. 25. 25 and a dozen. 50. Exactly 50. 50. In less than a decade, he's been in 50 things before Three's Company even comes out. I mean, most of them are just like one shot episodes on things like. He was in uh, an episode of MASH and stuff like that. Um, yeah, the character drop-ins. But the dude Mantis? put the work in. So he's not coming into the show green, which is what I thought. You know what I mean? I thought maybe this was one of his first things. He's uh, really good still somehow, but... No, I knew credit... him from the Waltons because my mom watched that show religiously when I was a kid. So he, I knew him from the Waltons. I think that's yeah. probably the, where I knew him first. He also comes from an acting family, too, and an entertainment family. Like, his dad is Tex Ritter, the musician who's like a singing yeah. cowboy in all those movies. And his mom is a Western movie actress as well. So I'm sure he's around it his whole life. That's and his awesome. son's in Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. Isn't and he's in Problem Child 1, 2, and Bride of Chucky, which are all sort of horror movies. He is in Bride of Chucky. He gets he the is, nails yeah. in his face. That's right. And his other son is in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, so go yeah. back a second. How Can we speculate how this girl fucked up scrambled eggs? All right, so I had multiple thoughts. I thought she either undercooked them so they were runny, or she left the shells. Or over-seasoned. Because mm. scrambled eggs is one of those things, right, that if you don't season them at all, like literally do nothing to them, they're still oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're just, just eggs. If you just whip the eggs and cook them and then put them in a plate, like, it's not delicious, but it's good enough, you know? I was to thinking she taste- knew she needed liquid in them and just didn't use milk or water, use something she shouldn't have. Even then, it's pretty diverse. I've seen milk work. I've seen orange juice work. Shaving I've seen cream. Water work. Yeah, maybe they I've need to them, the sink I've made them with no liquid before. You just have to watch them. Yeah. Yeah. And not if as, you not as good too. or anything, but. <laughs> In a pinch, you can do it. Still, uh, Not to toot my own horn here, but I am the master of eggs. I can do them anyway. You are, you are great at eggs. I'll toot your horn, bud. <laughs> Nick is. I, the, I actually. Uh, Reminds me of any t- we I went away with Jay's brother once, <laughs> and uh, so he like the the like we're just at like a B and B, and the ne- the first morning we're there, Chris is you know scrambling up like a whole bunch of eggs, and I was like, oh nice, Chris is making breakfast. No, dude made a half dozen scrambled eggs for himself, <laughs> sat down and ate like four pieces of toast and six scrambled eggs alone. I was like, oh cool, Chris is making us breakfast, and he's like, no. <laughs> It's like Jesus, dude. Six eggs is a lot, and I've been having this argument with him it's for like protein. years now. I'm like, dude, you do not need six fucking eggs. You're not a bodybuilder. Like that's a lot of eggs. What? It's like a normal amount of eggs. No, it is not. Nah, three's the the sweet spot. Sometimes I, I'll I, do I mean, two with a little milk it goes a long way. Yes, yeah, I say if my wife and I make them, usually we do between four to five for the two of us. I mean, I could probably put down four eggs pretty easy, but. I could put I don't, down more. I just usually yeah. I don't do often. Three. I don't make breakfast a lot. I just never was one to make breakfast very often. And I think mostly because I've always had super early jobs that don't really like 
work that way you know it's hard to want like a sausage egg and cheese sandwich at 247 in the morning like you just don't want to eat yeah i wake up at 230 and i'm like oh i better scramble some eggs before i shower like no No. that's not happening that's the other thing too when you have a job like that and i've had really jobs too like all you really want is coffee you just you'll eat later speak for yourself that's my i can't do like i'm not i'm not hungry when i wake up right away like very far from it but i can't do just coffee like it gives me a stomach ache uh just kind of makes me feel like shit i need to have something with it i i'm 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 like it depends sometimes if i'm at work and like starbucks is open or something i'll grab something on the way but i'm also someone who if i eat early like the machine is on and i'm hungry all day if i'm i try to yeah I, i try to like limit my window i try to do like kind of a fast most days if i if i don't eat until like three in the afternoon i'm good it's not a problem but if I have something early in the morning, I can't then wait until like three o'clock to eat a second time. It's crazy. I've been forcing myself because my doctor told me to to like eat a kind bar or something in the morning because I just usually I wouldn't eat out of like a handful of peanuts or something at some point, and I would just only eat dinner. And I get snacky and hungry around dinner time, but I can go the whole day and not eat. Yeah. And because of my stupid food allergies too, I've like trained myself to I can go like forty hours without food, mm. and just like mentally block my way through it through a situation where you can't eat like it happens sometimes traveling where it's like uh there's nothing here you can eat you're with your work at a pasta restaurant that you've been traveling and just like i'll pour booze on it i'll eat tomorrow it's not good for you but i can do it you need to have like an emergency sandwich on you yeah dude if i was you i'd be sometimes you can sometimes you can't get the stuff around you though or you don't trust Even if it was like a kind bar like throw something in your pocket you know what i mean if you're going out the good thing for those situations is those protein kind bars, the ones that are like the, the like more meal replacement. I know what you ones. mean, yeah. Yeah. They're like huge. They're like yeah. a yeah. brick. But like eat one of those, you're not gonna want any other food the rest of the day. Yeah. So in any event, after eating the bad eggs, it's like, Oh, do you think you could do any better? And Jack's like, Yeah, well let me see what you have. And he goes through the fridge and he's like, Okay, we got some eggs and some mushrooms and onions and Ugh. and it's like he's gonna make some what was it? Eggs Madeira Fon Chow? Eggs Madeira Fon Chow. I don't know if that's a real thing or not, but I'll tell that it is. It is a real thing. It's essentially a you boil eggs and then you cut these slices of boiled eggs around the plate. And then the middle of it on top of it is sort of like a vegetable cooked together like slaw. Yeah, because when they eat it, it looks like scrambled eggs to me. No, I could definitely see that. I don't know if the props department made eggs madeira fawn chow yeah it looked like they did because you could see like the half cut uh like oh, hard boiled eggs okay. yeah i could see them because i had to look it up and see the picture i didn't know that obviously i, I had to look up on my was. phone fyi if you're trying to blow somebody away i wouldn't use that as because just literally just hard boiled eggs and like a mushroom medley well if they're fucking up toast and eggs though it's not going to take much to impress them so any true any yeah. combination of ingredients that worked you know together is going to impress the hard boiled egg uh on its own would have impressed them. Yeah, hard-boiled egg with two girls. But like, do you guys want it breakfast? Do you want it to smell like farts? That'll be awesome for everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, wrong food, bud. But if you do look up this recipe online, which I did yesterday when I was doing my notes, uh, a bunch of stuff about this episode pops up. I'm sure, yeah. I mean, that where else actually, would you hear this? To me, that speaks volumes about how not popular yeah. that dish is. Yeah. There's people literally, there's like blogs and stuff, people being like, we're making food from sitcoms, like things yeah. that you don't normally eat, you know? And so I, I, when I looked up the recipe for it, it did not look like something I'd want to eat personally. That's like when, um, Nick, you always big on binging with Babish. Yeah. I was just about right to now. bring him up. Yeah. 
that's like still his shtick. He he cooks things from popular TV and movies. It's a really cool idea. So we find out that Jack studying to be a chef at the LA Technical College. His goal is to be like the galloping gourmet of like 1980 or whatever it was, whatever year he gave. And like he's oh, still alive, by the way, long? the galloping gourmet, which I had to look up. That guy's like 90 and still doing cooking shows. So when they say, oh, it takes that long, he goes, well, you have to learn how to trot before you can gallop. And that, actually, you mentioned his dad, Tex Ritter. That was a nod to his father who had passed. Yeah, because then he goes, who said that? Yeah. Yeah, which I thought was a nice little line. Yeah. And then there's, uh, he's like, oh, and for the special touch, I'm going to need some breadcrumbs. And Chrissy's like, oh, I think I have some in bed. And at first, I didn't, I was like, why would you have breadcrumbs in bed? And come to find out, she's taking this literally, like, she means, like, actual crumbs from eating a sandwich. She means bed crumbs. Yes. She, um, <laughs> she's like, I nobody makes breadcrumbs. Bread they just fall off the bread. Now, do you guys eat in bed often? Never. Never. All the eat. time. I yeah, never I, do. I occasionally snack in bed. Here's, so, Ferg, you do, and I know... I used to do it all the time when I had a lot of roommates because sometimes you're like, we're watching a movie, we're eating, like, we'll just be in our room. Like, it just de facto sort of has to do it. The idea now of doing it, though, does seem kind of weird. Do you, is it good? Should I go back into this? Should I make, like, a big French bread pizza and just lay in bed? It sounds kind of amazing. It never appealed it to me. It is amazing. You know what's funny? Because, like, we're getting very tangenty, but... So, like, up up here, like, in, in my house right now, like, this floor here, I have the room that I do the show in that you can see me if you're watching any of these clips. And then my bedroom is, like, next to it. It's, like, a separate room. I don't eat upstairs in general. Like, it is once in a while I'll bring food up here, which is crazy because this is where I watch television. I very, very rarely eat upstairs at all. This is usually, like, a beverage-only zone. Once in a blue moon I'll have a meal up here. Yeah, but you inhale your food so it just doesn't make it upstairs. (laughs) I wouldn't eat it on the walk. It's not like I'm chomping on a sandwich as I'm going up the stairs. As he's crawling up the stairs. He's just eating the sandwich. (laughs) Oh, my neck just cracked. I'm so old. All right, let me ask you this. This is I I, again, I know we are getting very tangent heavy, but um, did Ferg just hurt himself laughing, by the way? <laughs> yes, my neck We're cracked. making fun of Jay for having a hurt ankle, and Ferg hurt himself <laughs> through his back out laughing. Some chromatic ah! justice there. Um, yeah, do you guys, karma. I feel like I, I could never just, and I can see Jay doing this, this is why I bring it up. I could never just, like, sit in, like, a room in the quiet and just, like, eat. Like, I always have to have something on. If I can't, like, even if, like, sometimes I'll go to the house of pizza near me, and I'll just throw my phone on with an earbud in. Oh, that's like, how I usually do it. I usually have my headphones on. That's I mean, not just I food, though. On. I need to be entertained at all times. Yeah. I'm the same way. I need, like, 14 points of stimulation. So I can't work out without also, like, listening to a podcast and playing solitaire on my phone. Like, I have to have a million things happening at once, or I can't concentrate anymore. I think we've all broken ourselves to a good degree about that. I think about the pre-cell phone days. Like, we all had jobs where we had break rooms. Like and you just would watch whatever scratchy thing would come through on the TV that had no cable while you ate your like grocery store sandwich for that day because it was better than just sitting in that room alone with no noise. Yeah. The only yeah the only time I would ever eat without a television or earbuds in or something would be if I'm eating with people. That's the only time I would never sit in silence and eat. It feels psychotic to me. I know it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's no. Like, no, it you know? is. Yeah. You can't, I can't be alone with my thoughts. I need to... <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a thousand percent correct, Ferg. That is the most accurate thing I ever. Mean... It's so relatable. It's also not the first time Ferg has said that, too, which makes it even funnier. 
it's Ferg. It's Ferg sitting at home eating a hot dog while all the ghosts from the haunted mansion are dancing around his head and singing. <laughs> oh man! So um. Janet has to run out of the room to get some wine for him. They don't have a bottle on hand, but she's going to fashion one with all the leftovers from the party. Oh, so gross. Absolutely gross, because it's all just like yeah, ass I thought that drinks. meant something completely different, and then when I saw the act, I was just like, ugh! Yeah. <laughs> really and they end up, they do cook with that. Yeah. So while she's doing all that stuff, the doorbell rings, and Mrs. Roper comes in, and she's talking about like the whole thing with... Well, first off, she's amazed that the door was left unlocked. Then they're talking about, like, all the noise from the night before, and Janet apologizes, and, you know, they kind of go over. It, it, it wasn't, like, that heavy of a conversation. It actually kind of turned into her just going up there and making fun of her husband. Like, there wasn't much resolve. It was like, hey, can you guys just be more careful about the noise? Sure. And then it's like, you know, my husband, he's a big fucking idiot. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, that's she, usually wasn't, how it goes, she yeah. wasn't bothered by the noise. He was. Yeah. It also shows how sweet she is, though, too, that she is like, you shouldn't have your door unlocked, like, you could be in trouble. Like, she's up there as a total, she's not mad about the noise, which also, we haven't talked about this yet, we've all had a bunch of apartments in our lifetime. I've never had one where I lived with the landlord also in the building, but if I did, I would not throw that kind of party, because that is how you get evicted from your apartment immediately. So, Jack walks out from the kitchen looking for the wine, and that's when he sees Mrs. Roper, who's surprised to see him there. She's like, who's that? And Janet's trying to go like, oh, that's just a girlfriend who spent the night, and is like shoving her out the door so she doesn't see him again. And she's I like, I don't understand this. That I didn't get at all. She knows like, they had a party. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> Why can't there just be a person there? Even if they didn't have a party. That's my friend Jack. He's at my house because I'm an adult, and I have a friend over, like, the idea of like you can't see this guy here like it just didn't make any sense at all well okay so that's kind of my thing too is the whole over like arching thing with this thing is that the rope like they had we all know how the episode ends but like why does that why should the landlord have that much say in how much in who's you know they're I mean, paying the rent like i've had it and, happen and two other people are vouching like but who there cares? is like a when you move into a place, you still have to be accepted. Like, they, they pick. You know what I mean? Like, it, it is the landlord's discretion who gets to live in their house. Yeah. So whether or not it's, like, valid reasoning or not, whatever. We can put that aside. And we can acknowledge, we'll talk about it at the end, because that's the reveal at the end of the episode, why it happened. But here, just being just a guy who's over the house, there's no need to hide him. Yeah. The apartment I lived in for a while that Nick ended up moving into later we moved into that apartment because the apartment we looked at first, the realtor was like, yep, and this is the bedroom and this is the bathroom. The only thing is they don't allow sleepovers. And we started laughing because you know, we're adults, like, no sleepovers? Like, yeah, the landlord doesn't want anybody who's not on the lease spending the night. And we're like, so if somebody, like, meets somebody or, like, somebody's sister or brother wants to stay over, like, nope, the landlord won't let that happen. And we're like, how the fuck would they know? Okay, yeah, I don't know, but it was so weird that we are like, can you show us another apartment? There's no way... We're going to agree yeah. to stay here with that kind of weirdness in the air, you know? They must have got burned in the past where they had a tenant who was like, oh, that's just a sleepover. And they had someone living there for free. Like for sublet or something. Or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now we're back in the kitchen and the three of them are all in there together. And they're asking him if he, you know, studies cooking full time. He's like, no, just like on the weekdays, like, you know, for a certain amount of hours. And then other than that, he's just doing odd jobs. And they're going over what they do for a living. She says she works in a pool. He's like. 
at this point, he's very smitten by her. You can tell that Jack is very into Chrissy. She means a typing pool. So I, that was a kind of a weird I don't know what that means, with. but she's like a receptionist. I thought it meant like she was in like almost like um like a pool for like temps. You know what I mean? Like I, I mean, I probably like, typing pool similar, is yeah. a very specific thing oh, for computers. Yeah. So basically, you you hear all the time in old shows and the movies we watch, it's like oh they're going to school for typing, right? Like you'd have basically all of these people who there's like a a, a third department of an office, and when somebody needs someone to come and like take notes or you know, do the minutes for a meeting. They grab somebody from the typing pool. So they're basically like utility players for the whole office. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've ever seen, Ferg, you may have seen this. Have you ever seen the slasher movie, 10 to Midnight? With It's Charles Bronson's slasher. No, I haven't seen that one. You should check it out. I think you'll enjoy it because it's a pretty good 80s slasher. But all the girls that are getting killed are like typing pool girls. And they keep showing up and being like, girls girls another one died <laughs> is miss garrett in this movie <laughs> miss garrett is the main typing pool lady he uh jack is he must be fully awake now because he's turned on the the hornball when it comes to chrissy big time at this point that's how I you know he's young because he can yeah. be that hungover and that horny at the same time like nobody he was i don't know he was super normal towards them at first and then all of a sudden he's like Wow, you're a typist with a body like that? It's just like, oh, it doesn't get in the way. Which <laughs> is funny. And that's a very like sweet, a... innocent line for Chrissy yeah. to say, though. And then, yeah, so he's like, because he says flat out, like, no, I, you know, I just, I think you're, you're great looking. Chrissy's trying to go like, oh, Jana works in a flower shop. Isn't that exciting? He's like, uh, yeah, terrific. <laughs> goes back to looking at her. And um, doorbell rings. Chrissy goes to get the door. And this is when we meet the potential new roommate, Patricia. Star of the episode. I hated Patricia so much. Oh, I love I can't her so you much. Like her. I get it that she's annoying, but they turn on her way too fast. Like, yes, not Chrissy, that is uh, true. The but... other roommate can't wait to get rid of her, and they really didn't have that many interactions for her to sour on her that quick. I sour like thought... bothered me. <laughs> I just thought that they, that character, was so overacted. That it just it took me out of it a little bit because she didn't come off realistic at all. I, that's I the thing though, because she doesn't act like that. That's not her real voice or anything, right? Like they made a decision yeah. to make her be like this weird stuffy sounding. She had to sound like that as the payoff to the joke that he thinks she's a guy later. Yeah, I mean but, I, the payoff pays off for sure. So before yeah, before we even really get to meet her, like she she goes through the door, but we cut back to the Roper's house. That's when Mrs. Roper is telling her husband like. There's a man up there. And he's like, wait, what? And and he's being told that this man is wearing women's clothing. He's like, all right, I'm going to head up there and see what's going on. It was more, um, the, the other trope, by the way, was like, there was that joke about, are you sure it was a man? And it was like, yeah, I, could, I, I even saw some of the little hairs on his chest. And it's like, well, that doesn't mean anything. Look at your mother. Like, oh yeah, the in-law <laughs> joke is the mother-in-law joke Again, is uh, an easy go-to. I think these jokes probably. I mean, I thought they were funny still, but I mean, they probably hit way better in '76 too. You oh, know, I'm like, sure. You've heard that joke a thousand times since then, but like I back can then, have, maybe a little newer. Like I can hear Frank from Everybody Loves Raymond saying that to Raymond's mother. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is also one of the uh, look sideways, but not quite at the camera type of reactions from him too. Again, he says, like, all right, I'm going to go upstairs and see what's going on. We cut back to the apartment where Chrissy and Patricia are talking. 
it's a lot of uh she's a showing her the room she's like oh it's you know it's like it's small but it's like oh but you know most of the time i'll be out here with you gals chin wagging and the voice is so good <laughs> my friends call me pattykins <laughs> okay and, uh, patricia so <laughs> she's like you can just tell chrissy just doesn't like her right away so she's trying to get right her like away. to walk over to the other two to just kind of not have to be alone with her so they take her over to um like the kitchen area it's like oh we found this guy in the tub it's like she's like really i found a spider in the bath once <laughs> she no sells we found a man in the tub yeah. and just goes on a fucking spider story and there's that whole like i've kept a plug in it ever since because of the spider and you could the girl sidebar it's like apparently not like because you just won't shut up yeah they're getting so mean to her here too i mean this is what we're coming into we talked about earlier we're like the actual real laugh of the episode too but i did really like this line was you mentioned like when she's like oh like my friends call me pedicans and then she just goes oh okay patricia so the thing is <laughs> like just like just establishing i'm not your friend you catty bitch <laughs> i loved it that's and a I tough thing though done... has anybody here ever had to do that before where you get roommates unsolicited from like the want ads or the internet cuz when I first moved out of my house, I moved into a situation where I had random roommates because it was like a room available. And if you remember my first apartment, a friend of mine already, a friend of ours already lived there. There was a room available. So there were two rooms available. So me and another friend took the rooms, but the fourth bedroom was occupied by um, two flight attendants who were like the, the, they were, that was like their crash area when they were in Boston. So they weren't there often. But um, that was the only time I lived with, like, random people. And that was very, very short-lived. I mean, we saw, like, it wasn't us, but somebody who ended up becoming our very good friend who officiated our wedding, my wife and I's wedding, right? Uh, a friend of ours had an apartment. People living upstairs, it was an all-Craigslist um, scenario. And we ended up hitting it off with this dude, right? Became lifelong friends with him. But the people up there were fucking crazy. To the point where, like, one of them tried to commit suicide. He, like, came home. And like it was just like the most insane stuff and like that kind of getting arrested and he was like there for that and like came out of the shower and the cops were like arresting this dude it's like you just hear like these weird nightmare stories of like just living with a total stranger and i'm so glad i never had to deal with now imagine all of this in southern california in the 70s like it's gotta yeah. be a fucking crap shoot look in 1977 too we're at the hillside stranglers we're only a couple years away from uh richard ramirez the night stalker like this is like serial killer time in california as well so now we have the doorbell ring, and this is when Mr. Roper shows up. He sees Patty and um, immediately just assumes this is the man that his wife saw earlier. <laughs> he's so, so mean to this poor woman. So, yeah, as soon as he walks in. Take off like, those clothes. He's like, there you are. Yeah, those clothes don't fool me one bit. <laughs> like, take them off. Like, you know, it's oh, not like you a pardon? <laughs> I love you doing the voice. <laughs> yeah, you do really Because well. she's got that transatlantic accent, too, for yes. some reason. <laughs> and, um, you know, he's like, the, who do you think you're fooling? And he's like, anyone can see those aren't real. And then as pokes her tits. <laughs> <laughs> he pokes her in the chest, and his reaction sells the entire episode. He yeah. fucking kills this scene so much. <laughs> you dirty old man. <laughs> <laughs> and the that's, bag. Is that the, the last classic purse hit? Oh no, you see him at the. Never mind. I was yeah. gonna say, does he just run away and you never see him again? No, but he, he comes back. Yeah, and and he's like, 
it's a mistake anybody could have made. He's like, those don't look real. <laughs> and he's like, I mean, they they look like a uh, and he just runs out of the room, which is funny, especially when he's an older guy. So to see him just jet out the door in panic was very funny. But the you touched my bosom uh, line killed me. I like broke into like loud laughter and I was at work trying to be sneaky. And Janet's watching. real laughter as well. Like she we all laughed at that and so did she. We're like, I don't know if it was a first take or something. Like maybe they did a first take and it was so funny and her real laughter was so good. They were like, there's no point in doing this again. But they caught they caught lightning in a bottle in this scene for sure. Well, they needed a real laugh because our fake laugh earlier was so her bad. Her fake laugh is not good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so after that, uh, Patricia was basically like, you know, saying like, with a, if that's the landlord, like, I can't live here. <laughs> you know, I just can't. So she leaves. And when the door shuts, like, the two girls are very excited because now they don't have to tell this girl no, apparently. That's when Jack pops out from the kitchen. He's like, oh, come and get it. And the girls go back into the kitchen. And this is where, well, again, he's, like, super into Chrissy. So he sits her down. He's like, oh, sit right here. And, like, you know, pushes her into the table and everything. And then and then um, Janet's like, where am I sitting? He's like, oh, just sit over there. <laughs> he, like, doesn't give a shit about her at all. Yeah. I feel bad that he pulls the chair and then doesn't. And, again, this is the pretty smart thing. We were like, at least be nice to their girl who's also very pretty. Well, yeah. I don't think that the idea is that Janet is unattractive. It's just that he is very into Chrissy. It's like, so he's yeah. like courting her. He's not like, ew, Janet's gross. I also got the vibe of the Janet's into him. Um, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be like shocked by it, but that's not like the immediate vibe. He's a handsome him. man. He's they do acknowledge that like soon, yeah. He's like handsome and tall and knows how to cook. Like, that's a pretty big win in 1977. Yeah, and I mean, and they kind of get to that too. So, you should have just ended up with Patty instead. <laughs> oh, I would love to go on a date with you. Oh, I'll have some of your eggs. As much as I love this show, I love the alternate universe where it's weirdly Patty and John Ritter married with a kid. It's Problem Child, but with John Ritter instead of Amy Asbeck, it's Jack and uh, Patty. Patty's. <laughs> this little kid is the devil. <laughs> Don't sleep in my tub. You know there's a spider in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so anyways, uh, they start, you know, she, he sits them down to eat. And, you know, they're very, very into the food. They they love it. And he's like, you know, it's, you know, any, he says any genius could have done it. <laughs> he says, my specialty is, and then he goes, this relies you and V. And, you know. That's Other. not what he says. He, that's, that's what he French said. They're speaking. Joe, yeah. what did he say? You definitely wrote it down. I didn't. <laughs> no, Joe. Uh, oh. Oh, I actually didn't write this one down. Oh, wow. And in transcript, it just said speaking French. And I'm like, I'm not going to try to <laughs> guess what he's saying. Instead, you just try to translate you pulled it back your childhood muzzy. <laughs> yeah. That's the only French. Uh, the, the Moulin Rouge line, too, right? I don't have a lot of French in my repertoire. I think we talked about this once where... So we were, I was at work and I worked at Hoot Nanny once. This girl who's like younger, she was from, from she was French Canadian. And she was like, Do you know any French? We're just talking, right? You do people in stores, you're working. She was like, Do you know any French? And the only thing I knew was Vivo Quebec Libre, Vivre Separatiste, which is a lyric from a song. And she got super fucking offended because that is apparently a 
the people who want to secede France or want to secede that part of Canada from the rest of Canada. And I had no idea. I just knew it from a song. I didn't know how to speak French. And this is pre like looking everything up. I just like pissed some girl off. And she started yelling inside. And I were like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> I just know smoking is splody. Yes. From watching the mask in French. I know quack, 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 Monsieur Ducksworth. So he talks about how he has aspirations to eventually open up a restaurant for people who appreciate high prices. <laughs> he said how much he enjoyed making the food for them, though, because he doesn't get a, a lot of opportunities to practice because he's been staying at the YMCA. Because he can't, like, afford a place on his own unless he finds someone to share an apartment with. So is he That's homeless? Convenient. No, living at the YMCA no, isn't homeless. Y. You live at the YMCA. You can have a good meal. It's in the song. You can have a good meal. But how does that work? I don't, I don't know the It's like the a dynamic. hostel. Yes. It's like a hostel. You can rent basically a hostel room and a bed okay. for very cheap. So it is your room for an extended time. You can say, I'm staying here for yeah, yeah. a month at a time. Usually with like, more than one person. They're not individual rooms. Yeah, it's right. massive shared living space. Got yeah. It's fun and this say. is a year before the song... By the village people even came out. Well, yeah, they didn't create the YMCA. <laughs> no, but I'm like, thinking. Yeah. Do you think they watched this episode and they were like, "Have a good meal, have a good time, fun to say the YMCA"? I think this was inspiration. YMCA's don't exist like that anymore, right? They're just not all, in that like, capacity fitness anymore. Centers or whatever the fuck they are now. now. Just yeah, now it's just somewhere you can go to swim and play basketball. Yeah, <laughs> for a lot of money. We like looked at the YMCA here. We're like, oh, there's a gym and a pool. Like, how much is it? We're like, that's insane. So but maybe they did that so they could weed out those people, right? They're like, uh, people here are coming here dressed like uh, cowboys and Indians and or are nefarious characters. Let's just make it expensive. Oh, oh great. There's a construction worker here. Can you <laughs> this place seems to always be under construction. and There must be a bad spot because there's cops everywhere. I don't know how I feel about Joe calling them those people, but all right. <laughs> Joe's opinions do not reflect that. <laughs> oh, you were taking that out of context. <laughs> so upon realizing that he's been staying at the Y, this is when the girls who are coincidentally looking for a third roommate have that, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And then they go to sidebar outside, and that's when they have the conversation like, you know, he'd make a great roommate. But, like, we can't just rush into this. And, like, let's go over all the pluses and minuses. Like, you know. He's a great cook, plus he would protect us, you know, from things going around in the area, plus he's very good looking. They don't agree. One says plus, one says minus. This is Janet telling Chrissy, like, hey, listen, like. This is a minute of Janet telling Chrissy she's a whore. <laughs> this is all that is. You will not her... be able to control yourself. Well, I'll say this. It wasn't, I, I didn't pick up on that, like, you're a whore, but it's like you are easily led into situations by charm. You know what I mean? Like you yeah, are I think horror's a bit a bit tough. I think that she is easily swayed by yeah. men and if you've got one who's good looking and around all the time, that it's gonna be just a matter it's of It's hard time. you both say she's easy. But yeah. it's uh it's like the intent. It's like there's a difference between like, I know what you mean, yes. easy to nab and like she's just horny and wants to screw dudes all the time. It's like a different thing. She's just kinda slutty. But with good intention. She thinks also, you know, once again, well, hey, look, the... I'm not kink shaming here either. If you want to be slutty and that's your thing, that's fine. We're just saying that that's not what they're trying to intend here. She's not even the sluttier one. The other one did the strip tease. 
No, she That's tried to do a strip tease. There were times that nobody wanted her to do it, which again leads me to the why are they being like, oh, we don't want you to strip. She did a strip tease that put somebody into labor. <laughs> yeah. When, <laughs> well, when they're talking now and they're talking about how Chrissy was talking to that guy, Frank, and he seemed nice and he said he wanted me for a friend. Yeah. And then the next night he, he brought the friend. And I was like, <laughs> are these jokes? So serendipitous. For, for this time, was this racy or is this right when the world's like really shifting? Are they ahead of the curve or like seventy right seven? I think like we're when... like you think we're curving, but it's still pretty racy to be like this guy wanted to have a threesome with this blonde girl. Yeah, and there was like a I didn't mention it earlier, but there was a, like a threesome reference from Mrs. Roper when she was talking to her husband yeah. when he jumped out of the seat. So there's a lot of like sexual innuendos and stuff, and I was just it's tough because. Without, like, thinking of a bunch of different shows and not living in that time period, I'm trying to, like, put myself in that space. Like, was this common for shows to be this sexual, or is it, like, starting to turn that way at this time period? We're a few yeah. years post All in the Family breaking down things and making it a little more open, I think. But I still think this is surprisingly sexual for the time. I don't know. So, Mr. But... Cotta was pretty horny. My thing about this is, does it change at all because the AIDS epidemic is right around the corner. You know what I mean? Like maybe th this was like common, you know, discussion or, you know, writing for these things. And then the AIDS epidemic comes and they don't want to, you know, glorify it as much. So maybe it's not discussed as much. Well, I will say this is right smack dab in the middle of the, like between the free love era and the like safe sex. Now there's like, deadly disease era right because like that starts rearing its head around the early 80s and this is 77 and like the summer of love is like 68 69 this is like kind of right <laughs> in the middle before that yeah i mean yeah right i just think like there was probably like they put the kibosh on like all the threesome jokes for a little while is what i mean so you probably didn't hear them during those but weird though if you think of a show like seinfeld or something too right where like every episode one of the every episode for the most part until they have long storylines with them somebody in that is in a very short-lived sexual relationship and that's the whole yeah. episode so if you have nine seasons of seinfeld right like those people are sleeping with hundreds of people so but <laughs> george gets way too much ass so anyways like this conversation kind of wraps up with the idea of chrissy telling her like well you're gonna have to be strong enough for the both of us and basically keep me in check and then because this is going to be a good situation if he moves in and then we go back to the Ropers, and now this is the first time we've seen him since touching that girl's tit. <laughs> so now he's, like, all rattled. He's like, I'm telling you, like, Helen, it was a woman. <laughs> She's like, I, I have a very sensitive finger. And uh, I laughed very hard at that line. I don't know why I found that so funny, but I did point that out as being one of the funnier things he says here. You get the, it's been a while since you laid your finger on me things the you know the classic we don't fuck things but they're debating basically you said there was a man there that was not a man so you know it's like the they're both gonna have to head up there at some point and settle this because they're not on the same page of what just happened that's not your mother that's a man baby <laughs> <laughs> but again why i like this pilot so much and we'll talk about it more as we get to the end of it but like Immediate payoff, set up, payoff, set up, payoff. Like they really give you and you know where it's coming and it's still satisfying, which I think is shows the writing is really good. So now we get back to the apartment and the girls had just propositioned the idea of him moving in with them. You know, they'll, 
he's still flirting very hard with Chrissy at the time, but the, Janet's also trying to lay down like the actual like situation. You know, you're going to have to go in on us with everything like food, rent, phone bill, all that stuff. And he's like, well, I'll have to think about it. And then he just looks right at Chrissy and goes, I'll take it. Yeah, he does not. Uh, it's not even the three dots. It's not even like a ellipses. It's yeah, I'll have to think about it. I'll take it. Janet, again, makes it very clear. Like, this is our room and this is your room. And if you make one false move, we take you right to the vet. Is that a neuter joke? Yeah, I believe it's, it's a yes. neutering joke. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, okay, cool. So everything's agreed upon. He's like, you know, they tell him you can move in as soon as you'd like. As that's happening, the ropers enter. And this is when, well, now we see that there is actually a guy there. But first, uh, Mr. Roper saying, you know, we're having a little disagreement about a certain matter of uh, sex. Chrissy's like, you want to borrow a book? He's like, I don't want to borrow a book. I like the idea that she gives Mr. Roper the joy of sex or something to read or like the Kama Sutra or something. I love that idea. In the moment now they see Jack and he introduces himself. He goes, you know, hi, I'm Jack Tripper. Like, I'm moving in here. And that's when he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, no, you're not. It's like, are you crazy? Like, moving in with two girls? Not in my building, you're not. And again, I I get it. We talked about this a little bit earlier. It is up to him to decide who moves in. Whether or not it's valid reasoning. I don't know. And even then, like, what's he worried about? Like, they're all going to fuck? Like, who cares? They're adults in their apartment. Like, even if they did fuck all the time. It's not That's really what I'm saying. Deal. I don't yeah, get if it. If they don't set the place on fire and pay the rent on time, then, like, you shouldn't care. You'd right. be more mad at the two girls having a fucking giant party the night before. Right. But you're also talking well, about, like, <laughs> an older guy, True. you know what I mean, from, like, uh, from a different era. So... You know, it's the 70s, but this is a guy who literally was born in the 20s. So, like, his perception of what's, like, acceptable for, like, guys and girls, like, we're just getting to a point where, yeah. you know, that generation was still, like, very, like, you know, you don't move in with, you know, your wife until you're married and stuff. And, like, that's just starting to break around this time period. So, I understand his mindset, but you're the landlord. Who the fuck cares? It's not your kids. Like, if they're going to pay the rent, whatever. As long as they're not destructive. Again, though, I think we're saying that from a 2023 perspective and not uh Right, and that's why I'm trying to acknowledge yeah. this guy was born 100 years ago. So it was a Like, it does time. make sense for the time, right? Like, Archie yeah. Bunker wouldn't have let that happen either, you know? So Chrissy and Jack head into the kitchen to get his pants. And <laughs> there was a nice little, again, a little physical comedy bit when he's putting on the pants that are straight out of the oven because they're real hot. This is, the, I think, the funniest. <laughs> and he tucks the blouse in. Too. That's, thank you. First of all, he puts the pants on over his boots, which is funny to begin with. So now I'm laughing. Bell bottoms. Like, bell bottoms. Puts them on. Then the zipper and button burns his dick. Now I'm laughing again. <laughs> and then he just tucks in the blouse in like one fluid motion. Like he's just normally getting dressed. And I never address it. I think it's one of the funniest parts of the whole episode. <laughs> yeah. I never realized they never addressed that. Yeah. It's just they never funny. address it. Yeah. He's just so funny. He's doing the thing with the hand down into the sure to tuck it in i think that's like one of the best uh physical moments he has in this whole episode so they're kind of having that conversation of like oh i'm sorry this wasn't going to work out and all that and he's kind of like you know i have you know half a mind to go and you know set him straight and go talk to him and chrissy kind of gives the seal of approval like oh i'd actually really enjoy if you did she's like all right let's go talk to him so they you know they march out of the room and as he's you know hey mr roper i have something i want to tell you it gets cut off because He's like, oh, it's all right, son. Like, Janet explained everything to us. Like, I'm, I'm sorry I misjudged you. Like, you can move in. Don't worry. It's it's all okay. And um, 
the Ropers leave. And it was like, what just, how did you get him to change his mind? And it's like, Janet tells him, oh, well, I just told him like Jack was a decent, respectable, hardworking young man. And that did it? Well, not quite. I also told him that you were gay. And Come the crowd on, on, fucking like, erupts. <laughs> but I kind of like that because that is the premise of the show, right? Like if you describe Three's company in a sentence, it's, you know, Jack's pretending to be gay to fool his landlord so he can live with these two girls. It's like basically the premise of the show. It's a it's perfect like pilot. And this show, in this show, introed it in a way that it like the reveal of why he's in the situation. It all worked out and it buttoned up perfectly. I think one thing you don't think about too is that he also it makes Mr. Uh, Roper more progressive than you think too. Where he, like he finds out he's gay and he's like, oh, I didn't know. That's all right. You can stay here. No issue. Like, another character from this time would have been, like, not in my house the same way. You know what I mean? So he, he would just have been... hates sex. Yeah. <laughs> he just doesn't want any yeah, sex to happen. Yeah, what is it with him? Just... His, well, he has a magic finger. He doesn't want his house turned into a brothel. Well, that's different. Having a steady person who lives there all the time is different than random dudes coming in and out. But also, if you have somebody who lives upstairs who's dating one of them, and you live right under them, you're going to have to hear the sex. And that, I can see, being a problem, too. You ever had a, we have a lot of roommate apartment talk tonight. You ever had an apartment above you, above your bedroom, where you hear people who live there having sex a lot? It's a fucking nightmare. No. It's not fun. I don't imagine it is, yeah. You're just not trying to go to bed. Ago. You have work in the morning, and you're like, that's... And apartments in old houses up here are so thin, right? The walls are thin. The floors are thin. You hear everything. Not long ago, I heard sex from the house next door, and I was like, good for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, it was like a nice day and the windows were all open. But, like, oh, well, okay. Well, the windows were open. But they should have been aware of that, too. Yeah, they should have been aware of that, for sure. But yeah, that was like the conclusion of the episode. And again, like that, it was a good way to button it. Like, that's the the premise of the show is all kind of revealed in that last line. I was a little surprised that it, it ended right there. Um, I know that, obviously, that that's, that's how you want. I just, I expected a little bit more. Um just because, you know, I feel like that was a weird point to end it. Like I thought it was a good point. I thought it was I a like good, it. like, it's a leave him wanting more. Like, where is this yeah, going? Yeah, no, I just, I don't know. I feel like I remembered more happening. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, it's just other episodes I remember. I just, yeah. I didn't remember it ending right there. No, I think that was the perfect ending point. We always talk about shows going too long, overstaying their welcome with, like, an extra scene. That's Yeah, yeah there's, like, an obvious stopping point, and then there's yeah, just, you can like, appreciate a scene that's, it. like, yeah, it doesn't, like, it leaves you feeling weird. And that's also product of the times. We always talk about that. This is this is not the era where there's that final commercial break and then that little stinger scene real quick. Like that doesn't really happen at this time. So that, you know, benefited from it. Which I think is good because you want I guess like those extra scenes that we see all the time now and that have been going on for the last twenty five years, like it's really meant to be looked at as bonus content. You're not really supposed to look at it as part of the episode. But when you watch it now on streamers now that it's not separated by the final commercial, it just comes off weird. That's why I always liked blooper reels, because blooper reels don't, they're not part of the show. You know what I mean? Like, it's an extra piece of thing for you to enjoy, but yeah. you don't have to sit around and you can change it if you wanted to. It's not going to ruin the plot or make you right. not understand next week's episode. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know um, if you guys have much else you want to say about the show before we move forward, but we covered the whole episode. So, yeah, you know what? Actually, real quick before we do it. 
because I kept thinking we would talk about it organically in the middle, but we alluded to it in the beginning, and I think we have to touch on it. So what happened with Suzanne Summers was after the fifth season, I believe, or before the fifth season. It was a contract dispute, right? Yeah. It was a big contract dispute, and she was making like 30000 an episode and asked for one fifty an episode and wanted 10% ownership of the show. Wow. Yeah, that's how you – that means that's that's an I don't want this deal deal. That means she wanted to leave because that's I think her un, husband unrealistic. Talked, her husband talked her into like – That's literally more. five times what she was making. Well, the show and was a chunk of the a show. Of money, but to ask for part ownership of the show, and then there were some clauses in the contracts. So, like, I guess the way it worked out was, like, John Ritter had it so that he would make more than the girls regardless because he was he was considered the star of the show. And then uh, what do they call well, it? Yeah, I mean, this wasn't even exactly that, the right? time of equal yeah, and then, opportunity. And yeah. Joyce Joyce DeWitt's contract, I believe, was meant to mirror Suzanne Summers, so they were supposed to make like the same money. So I don't know how that would have all worked out, but so now she's negotiating on the side on this different deal and it created a ton of friction. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like that makes total sense as to why they did not get along for a number of years, yeah. To the point where Suzanne Summers last season on the show, she would only do like a minute per episode and it was usually like phone-ins and stuff like that and anytime she was seen the other two refused to be on screen with her so she had to come in on alternate hours to film her scene so you'll never see them together that whole final season that she's a hostile working environment yeah yeah and then she was let go after the season ended well luckily for the first four seasons we got magic with the three original cast and i do like the other seasons minus suzanne summers yeah now, and I like forget. Not... I'm pretty sure they just replaced the actor, right? They didn't replace the character. It's the like, character, it's a different, different character. Okay, so it's a character. Okay, yeah, right. then there's, a, there's three characters, too, because there's a replacement for her, and then there's a girlfriend of Jack's for a while, who I believe maybe carries over into the spinoff, and then there's another roommate character as well. Yeah, right, I don't only, remember any of she's those. She's only yeah. Chrissy in the episode. Okay, all right. I couldn't um, remember if they were just like, uh, nothing to see here. Still Chrissy. Like uh, like the mom on Fresh Prince or something where you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's right. just a different actor and we're just not going to say anything. So it's, I don't know. Yeah. Not to like, not to end on a bummer, but it's like, it was such an important part of the history of that show. I felt like we had to bring it up and it's, it's sad because you watch the show and you see such great chemistry amongst the three and to think, you know, like with so many other shows though, but like money gets in the way and it distracts everything and kind of creates, you know, the show takes a, a massive turning point after that because she doesn't stay with him. Also, I mean, I don't know what the scale was back then, but 30000 an episode in, in the mid-70s seems like a fucking lot of money. Yeah, it also seems like if you asked for 60, maybe they would have kept you, but if you asked for 100, 100 yeah, like, then you are you're, you know you're going to leave. You don't want to stay. That's I an offer you that the, you know they want to The ownership was the actual sticking point, not even the money. That was probably a big part of it. Well, that too, right? Like, I think when she made that deal, it was very obvious to her and her husband that, like, they were going to leave and then go star in their own big show, and then she was going to be... That sounds it like a Bo Derek, John Derek scenario. Yeah. In 1980, like, 30 grand was $112,000. So, for every fucking episode, that's like... I, I don't know, that's like... And this is when I, there was I'm 22 to... episodes a season. Yeah, But yeah. remember, this show was probably their biggest hit show at the time was probably making them money hand over fist. Sure. John Ritter was making a lot more money he wasn't making that much at the time. I think he was like close to a hundred or something like that. So it's just one of those things though. It was, it seemed overly aggressive and obviously caused this 
big rift and everything kind of happened from there worked out though she got thigh master and then later she got step by step by step it worked yeah, yeah. that's a big gap and because she she basically said she'd been blackballed from tv for a while and what was the gap for thigh master wasn't that well remember thigh master was a paid infomercial though so she was on tv all the time doing infomercials not being on a tv show or yeah. anything yeah Which and jay not- i guess so i guess she was asking for 150 because that was exactly how much john ritter was making okay hey good for him but I mean, that's a crazy gap. I mean, I understand like the show, the show doesn't work without him. So he's obviously worth more, but that much more. That's well, like that. Yeah. his starting rate, you think? Or do you think he made that in his later negotiations? No, probably as time went on. Because I had read it was less. I had read it was like 100. And I don't know the exact numbers, but, you know, it got messy. And obviously, there has to be more to it, obviously, because Joyce... And John kind of stayed side by side on that. They right. collectively didn't want to work with her. So, you know, that says a lot if she doesn't want to work with him either. So, yeah. And I also forget if we mentioned it, but RIP, Suzanne Summers passed away like a month ago. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty recent. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, John Ritter has passed quite a while ago. Yeah, yeah 2003. Too. Joyce I remember us, that vividly. It was very sad. Yeah. I feel like at some point we'll have to do like eight simple rules too, which was the show he was like actively doing when he passed too. So yeah, like they, yeah, they were like filming. Yeah, they, they had that, passed away. They had the they had a really awkward David transition. Spade, right? right? Yeah, he died like right, you know, while they were actively a show. So it was a, and that show was doing pretty well when it first came out. Yeah, it was a fairly big show. Yeah. But in any event, now that we've gone over all the sad stuff, let's get into the Green Lighter canceled. Um, so I'll go in the order I see you guys in. Um, again, reminder, Gordo's not here in the event of a tiebreaker. We'll find out Gordo's vote one way or another, and that will be reflected on a graphic that we'll put on our Instagram. That's on S1E1Pod. On Instagram, again, give us a follow there. But um, yeah, so Joe, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, I said at the beginning, I think this is a, the most perfect pilot we've ever covered. But what I mean from that is it shows you everything. It sets up everything. It's subtle. It goes set up, payoff, set up, payoff, set up, payoff, and then payoff. Do you want to keep watching this show? I think that's really economical in 24 minutes while also being incredibly funny and introducing as many characters as they did and the backstories of all these different people. This is a show we watched a ton growing up. Uh, I think it's kind of a weird, perfect 70s into early 80s sitcom this is an easy green light i think literally the best pilot we've covered so far nick yeah i mean it's i don't know i really i don't feel like i need a lot of words for this it's just a really good pilot it's a lot of fun to watch and i'm ignoring my my nostalgia for this show as much as i possibly can because i don't think it really matters it's just a really well done show like joe said it's pretty close to perfect very well cast very well acted um easy watch fun watch want to see more obviously um so yeah very very easy green light for three's company Ferg. yeah i'm not gonna rock the boat too much on this um pretty big cast yet they did a really good job letting you know who everyone was you got their personalities right away well told story my one critique is some of the things were forced just to tell the joke but you can say that about a lot of shows it's yeah it's near perfect um i would continue watching and i did at the time um so yeah green light for me so for me i talked about this earlier it was 
I've, I struggle in that, am I looking at nostalgia? Am I nostalgic to the era? Is it just fun to look back at something that is so 70s and so different? Because I do have a lot of issues with a lot of the jokes didn't make sense. A lot of the practical situations didn't make sense. But I do like the chemistry between the actors. And I think John Ritter was really great in this. And I think his physical comedy was outstanding. So I'm giving it the green light, but I'm wondering if it's a real green light for me because I do have, I feel like I would have picked apart other shows for doing some of the things that this show did, but I am going to give it the green light. So with that being said, four out of five for sure. And then we'll find out Gordo's vote later on again, go to S1E1Pod on Instagram and we'll have that graphic up for you later in the week. But regardless, it's a pass. So congratulations to Three's Company. You live on to see an episode two of us. I want to thank all you guys for listening again. S1E1Pod.com is where you can find all the links to everywhere to listen to us, all our social medias. Give us a follow, rate, review, do all that stuff. It really helps us out. But in general, just contact us, and we really like talking to you guys. Like I said, team the Spotify rap and all those things have been really cool. So just reach out. We, we like talking to you guys. We want to know the shows you want us to cover as well. So send us suggestions. But until then, I'll catch you again next week with another new episode. Until then, thank you. I think we got the best thrilling earthquake. <laughs>